0: I want to start off first by showing you a picture up here. This is a picture of my favorite cookbook. It's called A Man, A Can, A Plan. It's a cookbook for manly men who can't really cook. And you can tell that it's made for men, not just because it's in the title, but in the way that the book is constructed. It's got these really thick cardboard pages, like that that board book material that you give toddlers. That's what every page of this is made out of. There's no way you're ripping it or tearing it. And every page has like this little thin layer of plastic laminate on it. So if you're messy like me and you get sauce or oil or something on the page, it's not a big deal. Just get a wet rag and just wipe it off. And it's even got manly recipes in there. Stuff like cowboy chili or cheese it chicken. You know, just in my favorite part about this book, though, hands down, is the way that the ingredients are listed out. Because normally you get a cookbook and and you look and the ingredients are just bullet points with words. Who's got time for words? In this cookbook, you have pictures of all the, the ingredients and they're in the packaging just the way you would find it at the grocery store. So really, you don't even need to know what it is. If you can match the picture with the stuff on the shelf, boom, you got all the makings of a great recipe. This book is idiot-proof, and that's why I love it. If you can just follow the plan, you're going to wind up with a pretty tasty dish. And really, that's the point of every recipe and every plan, really, is to make life easier. If you can just follow the plan, things are going to turn out better. Plans are great, aren't they? Anybody out there, are you planners? You just like to sit down, you plan everything out because it makes you feel better, it lets you sleep at night. I'm one of those people. Plans are great things. But here's a question we need to ask ourselves every once in a while. How often are we including God in our plans and in our decision making? And realize what I mean by that, because a lot of times we make these plans, we make these decisions, and we cross all the T's and dot all the I's, and then we come to God at the end of the process, and we say, God, will you bless these plans? That's not really what I'm talking about. Are we really including God in our decision-making? I mean, that sounds like a good idea, right? Because this is the maker of heaven and earth. This is the giver of all things. This is the one who is in charge of it all. It seems like a pretty good idea to include him and a pretty dumb decision to exclude him. Am I right? We're in the middle of a series that we started last week. It's called Wisdom, avoiding the dumb decisions in life. We're people. And as people, we all do dumb things from, one, from time to time. It just goes with the territory, right? And sometimes those dumb decisions, they can wind up being pretty funny stories that we like to sit around the table and tell our friends. But other times, those dumb decisions can be painful and costly. Life is hard enough without us throwing gas on the fire through our dumb decisions. And that's why God has given us a book of wisdom to help minimize those situations. It's called Proverbs and that's where we're at in this series. This morning we're going to be in Proverbs chapter 16. So if you've got your Bibles, I want to encourage you to open up to Proverbs chapter 16 to follow along. If you don't have your Bible, don't worry about it. We're going to have the scripture up on the screen behind. Or if you don't have your Bible, I would really encourage you to download the Uversion Bible app on your mobile device. That way you've got the Bible with you wherever, whenever you are. Proverbs chapter 16 is where we're going to be. Now, if we were to survey the entire book of Proverbs, there's 31 some odd chapters in there. If we were to read the whole thing, we would come to this conclusion. Plans are good. Plans are wise. Wise people plan for the future. They don't fly by the seat of their pants. But when we look at chapter 16, there's a little bit of nuance to that statement. Because God tends to interact with our plans in a few different ways. Sometimes the way that we plan is not that great. So let's look at some of the ways that God interacts with our plans in life. We're going to start in chapter 16, verse 1. And the first point is going to blow your mind. It's stuff I know you've never heard before or thought before to yourself. Sometimes God changes our plans. Brilliant, right? You're glad you woke up early and got here this morning. You're probably thinking, well, no, duh, God changes my plans all the time. I know it seems obvious, but we need to talk about it a little bit. Because sometimes it's really important how and why God changes our plans. Look at chapter 16, verse 1. It says, To humans belong the plans of the heart, but the Lord, from the Lord comes the proper answer of the tongue. To humans belong the plans of the heart, but from the Lord comes the proper answer of the tongue. The first part of that proverb is not very difficult to understand. From, human, from humans come the plans of the heart. We want things. We want to accomplish things. We want to do things. We want to accumulate and acquire things. And so we make plans. We set our heart upon something. We put in the time and the energy. And we decide this is how we're going to get it. That's not hard to understand. The, the kind of confusing part of this proverb is that second half. From the Lord comes the proper answer of the tongue. And what seems to be being taught in this proverb is that we can plan and we can plan and set our hearts upon things. But in the end, the result or the outcome is a matter of God's decision. Or determination. And, and, and the idea of speech is what's in mind here, the example for Proverbs. You know, you can plan what you're going to say. You can plan, this is, this is how I'm going to approach a situation. These are the words I'm going to use. And then you open your mouth and maybe something else entirely comes out. And there's actually a very literal example of this in Scripture in the Old Testament. There's this prophet named Balaam. And Balaam, is, he's kind of a shady dude. He was hired to pronounce curses upon the people of Israel. That was his plan. So he shows up in front of the people. He raises his hands, opens his mouth, has every intention of cursing these people. And then God changes his words and he pronounces blessings on these people instead. And it happens again and again and again. And that's kind of a supernatural and and, and kind of a specific example of this proverb. But we witness this kind of thing happen a lot more often than maybe we realize. And it's not just with our words. It's it's with a lot of the plans and the decisions that we make in our lives. We make plans, and sometimes those plans change. And sometimes God is the reason they change. He is the change maker. You look at a situation like this. This is a lady named Stephanie Chung. Stephanie is a, a concert pianist in South Korea. An amazingly accomplished woman. I didn't know somebody could even have this many accomplishments attached to their name. Uh, she's brilliant. Stephanie is the mother of five children, the oldest of whom is a boy named Joseph. And Joseph has some developmental challenges and difficulties. And in South Korea, there's a lot of cultural stigma attached to that. And they see developmentally handicapped people like this as, as a source of shame, almost. And so Stephanie had a lot of mixed feelings inside of her because she loves her son, obviously. But But her culture tells her that he is a drain on her and her families, So she wrestles with depression for years and years. Well, there's one day where Joseph went to his weekly swim practice. He actually, he loved swimming. He was good at swimming. But that afternoon, she got a phone call that said that she needed to go to the hospital right away. Joseph had been found in the pool floating at the top. He was unconscious. So, of course, she hightails it over to the hospital. When she gets there, Joseph, is, he's out cold, and the doctor says, if he doesn't wake up in 48 hours, he's not going to wake up. And so Stephanie hits her knees, and she began to pray. And through this whole challenge and this ordeal, God started to really change some things in her heart. Now, Joseph did wake up. He's fine today. But Stephanie was changed. You, you know, she had a, a, a concert she was going on on tour with a singer about a week after this happened so she was being interviewed by a magazine and usually when interviewers ask about her family she would just kind of gloss over it she didn't really want to mention joseph or talk about it because it was that source of shame but in this particular interview she just gushed and she gushed about what a privilege it was to be joseph's mom about how special he was about how much he meant to her about yeah he had some challenges but but really it just made her love him even more and she just opened up her heart for really her whole country to hear about. and Apparently, those were the words that needed to be said because there were dozens of other parents that read this magazine that, that got in contact with her and said, we feel the same way. We deal with the same stuff. We wrestle with the same depression, and yet we are so glad to have somebody like you step up and speak publicly that it's okay to love our own kids. Those were the words that needed to be spoken. Now look, Stephanie had a plan for her life. And that plan really was just stay with the status quo. Keep your head down. Keep living the way that you're told to live. Keep thinking the way that your culture thinks. Just get through this. That was the plan. Sometimes we have that same plan with our own lives. But God had something different in mind for Stephanie. She didn't plan on really airing her whole feelings and her whole struggles for her whole nation to read. She didn't plan on starting a foundation that supplies support groups for people in this kind of situation. She didn't plan on having conversations with parents and leading some of them to Christ. She didn't plan on any of this stuff happening in her life, but God opened this door and changed her plans because he had something different and something better in mind for her, and sometimes that's why our plans change too, gang. We get it in our minds that this is what we need to do. This is what my heart is set on. This is what I think is best. And I have this plan. and I've made this decision that this is the course that we're going to chart. When all the while, God may have something better in mind. Sometimes he changes our plans. Sometimes, though, he changes our plans for different reasons. And we see that when we keep reading in chapter 16. Look at verse 2. It says, All a person's ways seem pure to them, but motives are weighed by the Lord. All a person's ways seem pure to them, but motives are weighed by the Lord. We as people have this remarkable ability to talk ourselves into almost anything. <laughs> you ever played this game with yourself? So let's say you're on a diet, and then somebody brings out a plate of your favorite cookies. And maybe you were doing great at your diet. You were sticking with it. You were, you were seeing the results. But then somebody brings those cookies out, and you smell that smell of fresh-baked cookies. What do you start to do in your mind? You start to negotiate, don't you? You say to yourself, you know, if I just ate one cookie, then I'll eat light the rest of the day. And if I eat a second cookie, I'll just cut something out tomorrow. And if I eat that third cookie, then I'll I'll just work it off. I'll hit the gym and I'll work hard and I'll burn If I eat that fourth cookie, we start to negotiate and play this game in our head. We know we don't need those cookies. We know they're not good for us, but we want them. And so we try to talk ourselves into this. I know I'm not the only one that's done this before, right? We have this remarkable ability to delude ourselves at times if we want something bad enough. And sometimes we don't just apply this to cookies and innocent things. Sometimes we can talk ourselves into destructive or harmful behaviors as well. There was a risk mitigation firm that uh, was talking about a case that they recently got involved in. It was a small business owner who said that he had this long-time employee. We're talking 10-plus years of employment with this one company. This long-time employee was discovered to be stealing from this small business. And what he was doing, he was creating false accounts and he was creating false invoices and and having all of those checks routed to private accounts that he owned. He was basically writing checks to himself out of the company's wallet. That was a highly immoral and highly illegal thing to do. And and we might ask ourselves, what would possess somebody to even attempt to do that? And the man's response was this, I was just trying to support my family. Now that sounds innocent enough, right? I mean, who, who among us wouldn't do anything within our power to take care of the people that we love most, even if it meant we fell on the sword? People do incredible things to take care of their loved ones. Now, realize, though, that when he says trying to support his family, what he was talking about were expensive electronics and luxury vacations. This wasn't a matter of putting food on the table. This was just a, simply a matter of trying to sustain a lifestyle he could not legally afford. It was foolishness. And yet he was able to convince himself that this was a righteous cause. We can talk ourselves into anything. All a man's motives seem pure to him. But motives, the truth, that's weighed by the Lord. We can fool ourselves. We can fool everybody around us. But we cannot fool him. And this is how this applies to our plans. Sometimes we make plans for our future. For our our family. We make plans for a vacation. We make plans for our career. We make plans for our investments. We make plans for the important parts of our lives. And sometimes these plans may be good and pure and altruistic. But other times, these plans secretly may just exist to stroke our own ego. We may make plans to set ourselves up to do something immoral. We may make plans that place us in a compromising position. Sometimes we can convince ourselves That this is good, this is right, this is okay if we want something bad enough. But God knows the truth. And so sometimes for our own good, gang, he changes those plans. Sometimes God changes stuff. But sometimes God blesses our plans. And this is what we all want, right? This is what we all secretly want to have happen. We want God to bless our plans and see them come to fruition. Sometimes he does that. Look at chapter 16, verse 3. It says, commit to the Lord whatever you do, and he will establish your plans. Now that sounds like if you just pray hard enough and ask for it, God's going to bless it and it's going to happen, right? But oftentimes we know that's not how it works. How many people have planned and planned and planned and prayed and prayed and prayed and their plans still fall apart? Just by way of example here, we have our, our youth group was in Minnesota on a missions trip. In fact, that might be them texting me right now. <laughs> they were on a missions trip up in Minnesota. They got 30 minutes out on their trip home, and there was an automobile accident. Nobody was hurt. Everybody was fine. Uh, but the person that caused the accident drove away, fled the scene of the accident. Uh, that's not what they planned. We prayed for safety. They prayed for safety. This was a good and fine plan. It just didn't happen. Sometimes we pray, and we ask, it, and our plans just don't come to fruition. So does that mean that this proverb is wrong? Does it mean that God is not listening, that He doesn't care Well, no, actually. What we need to talk about is that word commit. What does it mean to commit what we do to God? Sometimes this is how we plan, okay? We do the legwork. We decide that this is what we want. This is the course that we're going to chart for ourselves. And we do all the work and we do all the energy and we make all the decisions and all the choices. And then we come to God with this nice little package. It's already pre-wrapped and we say, bless this, please. Now, do you think God's going to bless that if he didn't have any say or voice in that process? Think about it like this. Let's say you want to buy a house. And so you go to a real estate agent. You say, we want to buy a house. And they say, say no more. And they go and they choose the city. And they pick the house. And they negotiate the price without consulting you. And then they show up and say, sign on the dotted line, please. Are you going to buy that house? Heck no, you're not going to buy that house. You'd have to be a dummy to buy that house. Maybe it's not the right city. Maybe the price is way too high. Maybe the house is too big. Maybe it's not in good shape. You didn't have any say in the selection of that location. You're not going to buy that. And yet sometimes that's how we treat God in our planning process. We say, this is what I want to do with my life. This is how I'm going to get it. This is where I'm going. This is who I'm going to do it with. This is the plan, God. Here it is. Bless it, please. He's not going to be involved in that. He didn't have any voice in it. He's not going to set us up for something that may not necessarily be within his will you know the plan here the key word in this proverb is commit there's an interesting word picture when we look at the hebrew word there there's this interesting picture that goes along with that word it's it's literally to roll to roll something onto god and that word's used a lot in the psalms it talks about rolling our burdens on the lord and the picture is this you've got this heavy load on your shoulders And you're carrying it, and you just can't go any further. And so you invite God into the situation, and you roll your burdens onto Him. God, I can't do this anymore. Will you carry this with me? It's an act of humility. It's an invitation into our lives, into our problems. And we ask God to sustain us in that. That's what it means to roll our burdens. To roll our plans, to roll our actions and decisions onto God is very similar. It's an act of humility and it's an invitation. We roll our plans onto God and say, I can't do this alone. Will you do this with me? We spread our lives out before God and we invite him in to speak about what he might want. To speak about where he may lead us, to speak about the direction he may have in mind. And when God becomes involved in this process, it's very different than us making all the choices ourselves and saying sign on the dotted line. I mean, let's go back to that real estate agent for a minute. You don't want a real estate agent that goes and does all the work and just says sign here. You want somebody that's going to say, what do you want? What kind of house are you looking for? Where do you want to live? What's your price point? How big do you want it to be? How small do you want it to be? We want a real estate agent that's going to ask us what we want because that agent's there to serve us, right? Well, who do you think we're here to serve? Ourselves? No, we're here to serve the maker of heaven and earth. We're here to serve the one who saves us by the blood of his son. He purchased us on the cross through the blood of Jesus, not so we could serve ourselves, so that we could serve him. It only makes sense that we would ask him what he wants for our lives, the direction he wants us to go. Do you have anything that you might want to add before I make this choice, God? And when we spread our plans out before the Lord and we ask Him to speak into it, to change it, to tailor it to His will, our plans start to look like His plans. And of course He's going to bless that. Of course He wants to see that happen. When we roll our plans, when we commit our plans to God, He establishes them and answers. Sometimes God blesses our plans, gang. The key, though, is to make Him a part of the process. That's what wise people do. But then that kind of raises a question, too. Why is God even interested in our plans to begin with? I mean, this this is God. He's huge. He's kind of got a lot of important stuff going on. Why is he concerned with my life and my dinky little plans? That is an incredibly valid question that Proverbs actually touches on when we keep reading. Look at verse 4. You see, what we find is that we're not the only ones with plans. God has a plan, too. It says, The Lord works out everything to its proper end. Even the wicked for a day of disaster. And think about that phrase, its proper end for a minute. The Lord works everything out to its proper end. That seems to imply that God has some sort of intention. That he has some sort of idea for how things ought to be. We call that a plan. You know, God has this idea of what ought to be. Now, does that mean that God has a plan for every single detail and every single choice that happens on the face of the earth? I don't know. I tend to think not. I don't think God really cares what toothpaste you buy at the store or whether or not you decide to go fishing this afternoon. The answer should be yes, by the way. It's beautiful out there. God gave us a brain, and I think he wants us to use it and make choices. He gave us some freedom to make choices. And to be honest with you, I don't know if God has a certain plan for some of the bigger decisions in our lives, like who we marry, where we work, where we live. I I don't know. It's probably a good idea to ask. But here's what i do know even though we don't know a lot about god's plans and god's mind there are certain things that we can know for sure because he told us here in his word and one of the things that we find throughout scripture is this idea that he has some intention for how human beings are supposed to be that we are meant to be kind rather than selfish and greedy that we are meant to be patient rather than impatient and hateful that we are supposed to be honest rather than dishonest We find that all throughout the pages of Scripture. We find that even written in our own consciences to some extent. God has an intention, a plan, for how we ought to be. But as we all know, whether you pick up the Bible or you pick up the newspaper, people don't always follow that plan. We deviate, every one of us. And that's where the second part of our proverb comes in. God even has a plan for the wicked. It is destruction and judgment. Now, that doesn't mean that God created wicked people to be wicked and to suffer judgment that that's not the purpose for them rather he decided that his plan was if you deviate from this good plan there is a consequence it's kind of like whenever i worked at at papa john's delivering pizza we hired this delivery driver and he never showed up for his first day of work and so we fired him now we didn't hire that guy for the purpose of firing him that'd be convoluted and a waste of time we hired him for something good we hired him to do a job But he chose to deviate from that plan, and so there was a consequence. And that's the same way with humanity. God created us for such a good purpose, to have fellowship with him and community with him, to experience his love and his blessing. But we chose to deviate from that plan. We chose wickedness. We chose sin. And there's a consequence for sin. Here's the thing, though. God really doesn't want people to suffer that consequence. As a parent, you make rules in your house If a kid breaks the rule, there's a consequence. But do you really, really want to punish your kids? Maybe on bad days. But but I'm sure on good days, normal days. No, you want your kids to experience your love and your joy and your favor and your kindness. That's what you want. That's the plan. But sometimes they deviate. And that's the good news of Jesus, gang. God had a plan that even covers grace, that even accounts for sin. It's the gospel of Jesus. It was his plan that people should be forgiven through Jesus and given this opportunity to have this new life and this second chance. We read in the book of Acts chapter 2, verse 23, it says, This man was handed over to you by God's, listen to this, God's deliberate plan and foreknowledge. And you, with the help of wicked men, put him to death by nailing him to the cross. It was God's deliberate plan that Jesus die on the cross. And God's deliberate plan that people should have this opportunity and this second chance at grace and life and love and blessing. God has a plan in this world. It's not for people to suffer. It's for people to experience his goodness. But we have to choose to be a part of that plan. We have to choose Jesus. In fact, this morning, if you haven't made that decision, don't waste any more time. There's a connection card on the back of your chair, and I would implore you Take that card out, put your name on it, and on the back we have what's called our next step wheel. And at the very top, the number one step to take in your journey is choose Christ. If you haven't accepted God's love and God's grace into your life yet, I would encourage you to mark that bubble, put your name on the card, turn it in before you leave, because we want to talk to you about what it means to choose Christ, to be forgiven by God, and to experience His love and His forgiveness. But for the rest of us who have chosen Christ and who have accepted that love, our job's not done yet. We read something really interesting in the book of 1 Timothy chapter 2, verse 4. It says, This is good and pleases God our Savior who wants all people to be saved and come to a knowledge of the truth. God's deepest desire is that all people, not, not just you and me and not us sitting in this room, all people. Our friends, our family, our neighbors, our coworkers, all people, to discover this good news of Jesus, to accept it in their lives and to choose to be part of His plan for blessing and good. And that's where our plans come into play, gang. God has planned that the church, you and me, we would be the ones to take that message and to take that good news. And sometimes the choices that we make position us so well to speak into people's lives and sometimes the choices that we make put us outside of where we need to be to share this news sometimes it looks like this god i want to buy a new house maybe that's the plan i just want to buy a new house i want to move maybe it's the same city maybe it's a different city i don't know there's nothing wrong with that desire you know that's a fine and noble plan but if you move to a new house you will no longer live next to the Smith family. And maybe the Smith family looks like they've got it all together, but maybe the Smith family desperately needs God's good news of Jesus in their life. Are you willing to sit down and roll out your plans before God and say, God, this is what I want, but I'm here for what you want too? If you want me to stay, I'll stay. If you want me to abandon this dream, I'll abandon it. I will change my plans because it's your plan that this family would know you and be saved and experience your love for all eternity. Are you willing to roll your plans out before God and let him change them? Because if you are, man, that, that is such a wise and godly attitude towards plans and life. God has a plan too, gang. We're not the only ones. Sometimes it looks like this, God, I really want to pick up that second job because if I got that second job with that extra money, I I could take the kids to Disney like we wanted to. I wouldn't have to sell my kidney to do it. If I got that second job, I could put my, my oldest in a nicer car when they turn 16. If I got that second job, we could get a boat, we could go to the lake on the weekends. God, this would be really good for my family. And that's an honest and noble end. It's a good plan. Work hard and earn all you can. But if you get that second job, you're not going to have time to volunteer in the kids' ministry. Which means you're never going to build that relationship with Johnny. Now, Johnny's a fake kid that represents a lot of real kids that come through our doors. Johnny comes from a single-parent home. His mom works super hard to put food on the table and pay the bills. But working that hard doesn't leave a whole lot of time to invest in Johnny. In fact, there aren't a whole lot of adults, period, investing in Johnny. And even fewer telling him how much God loves him and telling him about Jesus. And maybe God's plan for you is to, is to invest in Johnny and to speak into his life. Are you willing to roll out your plans and roll out your life before God and say, speak into this. Guide me. Lead me as I make this decision. And if it's not your will, if it's not in the cards to get this second job, to earn that money, to buy that boat, to go on that vacation, God, I'm okay with that. Because I'm going to trust you and make my plans with you by my side. Are you willing to do that? Because if you are, man, that is such a a godly and wise way to live your life. There's this old saying, if you want to make God laugh, tell him your plans. And there's some truth to that. But that's not because plans are bad things or because they're foolish things. It's because oftentimes we don't include God in our plans. So I want to encourage you this morning, avoid the dumb decision to exclude the maker of all things from the decision making in your life. Invite him in roll your life out before him, let him speak, let him lead, let him guide, and let him take you on a great adventure in this life when you become a part of his plan. Let's be wise. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for this morning. We thank you for this time together where we get to worship you. And I pray that as we account for our days, as we order them, as we plan them, I pray that we would be wise and include you in them. I pray that you would speak into our hearts and our minds, that you would lead us and guide us. I ask that we would be humble, that we would listen to your promptings. And Father, ultimately, I just pray that you would include us in in your plan, that you would use us as instruments to spread this incredible good news of Jesus, to talk about the gospel, to talk about your love, to talk about forgiveness, to share with our neighbors and our coworkers and our friends and our family, Father, this incredible news of how you've changed us and saved us. Father, we praise you for Jesus. We praise you for the plan that you've had set since before time began. It's because of your wisdom that we are here, and it's because of your power that we're able to stand and rejoice. Thank you, Father, for your grace. In the name of Christ, we pray these things. Amen.